0: Good morning, LL Nation. We are here for you. It's the Lucky Lefty Podcast. I'm your guy, Sean Davis at sd 2 Mics, The original Lucky Lefty himself, of course, Malik Zaire, Overtime Malik. We are yeah. brought to you and featuring Anora Whiskey. Of course, as always, go to AnoraWhiskey.com for that premium American whiskey. Anora Whiskey. Dot com. First and foremost, my brother, how you doing this morning? Man, we're here. It's another
1: day, another great day for college football. A lot of great games, yeah. and, and we're getting ready for the best one tomorrow.
0: I mean, we've had college football all week long, but waking up this morning, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a different feeling. It's a different yeah. feeling.
1: Hell yeah, hell yeah. And it's on all day.
0: They got some good games. You know, some of them games
1: have been good. I thought the game last night was pretty good. Yeah, the Purdue-Tennessee
0: game was really good. And it's interesting because I I had turned it off.
1: I turned off the Michigan State game against Pitt because I'm like, when it was 21, what,
0: 21-7
1: at that point, it was getting in the late third.
0: You thought you got Narduzzi had it wrapped up, didn't you?
1: I thought he had it wrapped up because I didn't trust the Michigan State quarterback. I'm like, oh, he's down 14, no chance. And they don't have Kenneth Walker, so – they turned that thing around quick, man. It made some good plays, but.
0: It's the power of you know, Tucker, dude. I told you.
1: It's crazy, though, to see, though, if you think about it, those games would those games equate to a better playoff bracket? Like, would it would those games have made a difference in a playoff bracket playing the teams that are playing today? I don't know.
0: So, Pitt probably would have made it into an expanded eight as the ACC champion. Um, Michigan State would have had a chance. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame would have been in it, definitely. Notre Dame would
1: have been in there.
0: And Oklahoma Ohio State. Ohio, it would have come down between probably Ohio State and Michigan State. And they yeah. they blasted Michigan State. So Ohio Shoot, State
1: Oklahoma maybe there. even snuck in there. The way Oklahoma played.
0: Uh, you know what? so it's basically the next four right that's basically what we're saying
1: something like that
0: notre dame i think notre dame oklahoma state ohio state definitely yeah that last spot is debatable last spot is debatable see we would get the same thing if you expand to eight it's always going to be an argument whether it's at the fourth spot or the eighth spot, about who should get in, who shouldn't get in. Nothing's going to change just because you expand the playoffs. But it would have been interesting. I would – look, Notre Dame would have played Cincinnati again. No, no. Yeah, Notre Dame would have played Cincinnati again. Oklahoma State. Baylor would have had an argument against Oklahoma State. Honestly. They man. would have. They would have. So maybe Baylor would have been the team that snuck in. Yeah, it, it would have been very interesting. Very interesting.
1: Well, then, yeah, then you would have had Alabama having to Baylor would have took a crack at Alabama.
0: Yeah.
1: Alabama would also have to play in Ohio State or Notre Dame type of team.
0: Now, wait a minute. Now, On the way have,
1: to the championship?
0: If you have a problem with. Cincinnati against Alabama. I know. I know if, if Cincinnati is getting 14 and a half against Alabama, Baylor would have probably gotten 21.
1: I don't know. I think Baylor up. be I'm not convinced Cincinnati's beating another team. You
0: you are really at good. the
1: level. You know what? At the level of
0: uh Notre Dame, I don't think they're beating another team at the level you, of the Notre Dame. You are suffering from what they call bitter fandom. <laughs> i understand, I
1: understand.
0: You, you're so mad that cincinnati came in oh and did what head they head. did in notre dame stadium that you refuse to give them any respect for what they did like do you, you trust that they'll make, they make this back? a good game say it again i don't
1: trust i don't trust they'll make this a good game versus
0: uh alabama no 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 see you're trying to do don't get away from the point <laughs> we're talking about your business right now on this podcast as a Notre Dame fan and former Notre Dame player, this is not about Alabama, Cincinnati. Don't do that. Do oh, not shift the goalposts. Right now, we are acknowledging that you have bitter fandom syndrome, and it's, it's cool.
1: syndrome. Yes,
0: yes. <laughs> it has followed you the entire season with Cincinnati. That is Listen. why you you wanted a rematch so bad.
1: But you agree with the rematch that we're
0: coming out with the victory in the rematch. You agreed with that? Notre Dame's a different team right now, in my opinion. <laughs> okay. Different team. I'm not
1: convinced. Okay, but I'm not convinced Cincinnati is beating any of these teams that are at our caliber. Because if you think about it, Alabama's a different team than when they played Florida. So Cincinnati don't want to see Alabama at Let's this see, point. This is
0: this – is, well, you want me to show you another piece? Yeah. <laughs> Of the same syndrome from our chat. (laughs) Okay. I got Matt 211 GT. No, ND handed Cincinnati that game, Sean, don't be playing. We did. Who won? We tried it. Who won? See, look, look, at some point, you have to tip your cap and congratulate people for what they did. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. Wait a minute. Hold on. At the end of the day, You can say what you want to say about Notre Dame handing that game to Cincinnati. You know what they didn't do? They didn't stop Cincinnati on that last drive. Oh, yeah, they didn't do that. Okay? They didn't handle that drive. Notre Dame scores, cuts it to three, and you know what Cincinnati did? They marched right down the field and responded like good teams do, on the road. So don't sit up here and just discredit what they did and it wasn't like Notre Dame wait a minute Notre Dame didn't hand them that lead Brian Kelly handed them that lead with his decisions
1: okay that's fair I can throw it off from Kelly
0: so I'm just telling you
1: but that's also a different Notre Dame team
0: look man I know it's semi-final and everybody's bitter that was <laughs> everybody feels like Notre Dame should be playing today instead of tomorrow, and that loss it still stings with the fan base. I get it, I promise you, I get it, but you gotta let it go. You gotta let it go, let just it like go. today is the last day Notre Dame fans should be speaking about the former regime. That's it, you that's have, fair, one day. yeah, that's it. As a midnight, as a midnight, it's over with. It's over with. We're moving on. No more mentions of the previous regime. That's it. Let it go. Yeah. One more day. Right so get it off your chest. If you need to say something in the chat today, go ahead and get it off your chest. We're all about that. What are we talking about today? Predictions. We're going to get Malik's keys to a dub. There's three keys to a dub for both sides of the ball, for the offense and the defense. Then, we're gonna to get to the petty train. Of course, we're gonna give you the petty train. We gotta hey, get the petty train. We're gonna give you predictions for not only the Notre Dame game, but we gotta give you the predictions for the college football playoffs. We have to. Malik is already telling you, you know, his thoughts on the, the a Alabama
1: game. <laughs> I'm the Alabama the invitational.
0: And see, here it is. Once again. Notre Dame would beat Cincinnati nine out of ten times. But it's true, one, yeah. But the one time that it mattered, I got they got the two That's all it takes. It one. It only takes one it. time. I
1: say the right? NBA finals.
0: This world, op- you know, this world operates and has millionaires and billionaires because they failed nine times and they only <laughs> <nine times> <laughs> one time. <laughs> That's who so we so
1: so Cincinnati billionaires, billionaires? One time.
0: Oh, my God. Cincinnati is millionaires and billionaires, man. I'm just saying the world operates off people getting over failure. It doesn't matter that you fall down nine times. Can you get up nine times? All Can you they get, get up against Alabama?
1: Is- That's what I want to know.
0: Cincinnati built <laughs> Wait a minute. That program for years built up to that moment. By Brian Kelly. Do you no? No. Do you know how big that moment was for Cincinnati? Oh, for sure. That it was, was like they lose that game, they fade away for like the next three, four years. Nobody's yeah. They don't. Them. Yeah.
1: Nobody care about what they talking about. That
0: was a program defining game. That was huge okay. pressure coming into that game on the road, and they got the job done. Tip your cap. It's okay. It's okay to pay respect. So that's okay. It's okay. As a Notre Dame fan, it's okay to say, you know what? We would bang you if we played you again, but you know what? Tip of the cap. I got You know what? <laughs> you did your thing on that day. There's nothing Dude, we wrong can't, with that.
1: We can't do that because you know why. We know why we can't do that? Because the game didn't mean the same for us. If it was of equal value and they beat us, that's a good handshake. You did your there thing. Uh, now you want to
0: add another narrative. If the game
1: don't if the game don't mean an equal
0: amount, how does then it not mean it away? Does Notre Dame have a conference championship? No, we don't have a college championship. If they want to get into the college football playoffs, what do they have to do? We gotta go undefeated. Okay. So don't tell me that game didn't mean anything to Notre Dame. Stop. Stop. <laughs> Stop. It didn't mean
1: anything as in regards of a program defining win. And okay. because it wasn't as big of a win for us, it was just another notch on the belt in our opinion. For them, it was their whole mm-hmm. season. If they lose when they lose the night and get blown out, they mm-hmm. feel good because they can go back on the banquet in a couple mm-hmm. months. Mm-hmm. When they all get back together and be like, Man, mm-hmm. they can kick off the banquet show talking about they beating us. Mm-hmm. They ain't even gonna mention the band, they don't care about Mamma. Mm. This is all this is all extra. They just excited because they get to fly on the day before New Year's Eve. You know, usually they at home on the couch eating mm. SpaghettiOs watching us,
0: mm. you know. So, you on so that right now, now, you on that Brian <laughs> stuff, right? It was a transition <laughs> year, right? It was a transition year, okay. Like, it didn't really move anything. Else. It's this a transition year? Anything? So, I mean, come
1: on. Is are we going to write in the history books of Notre Dame football? Are we going to write in the history books of Notre Dame football, uh, etch in that victory against Cincinnati at home? What? That's like a footnote. Uh, 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 what do you call it? Uh, uh, a little memo pad. Just, just a side note. It's not even in the the, the hall of records. If you See? think about the hall of records at Notre Dame, it's not even making
0: the cut. Better agency has a great chat right here. <laughs> Time to nominate Malik for the petty train. You know what? Better agency. We appreciate that. I think he might make it on today. <laughs> he might make it on today. If you just tuned in, this is the Lucky Lefty podcast to predictions. True. Eventually, we're gonna get to the predictions, but I'm trying to help my good friend and my co-host Malik <laughs>
2: through
0: his bitter fandom syndrome that he's dealing with concerning Cincinnati, so that we can be honest and biased about our predictions. And,
1: the BFS uh, man, the
0: I'm, BFS I'm, man. I'm, I'm being unsuccessful. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm not doing a good job. I'm not doing a good so, job.
1: I just so, want to know for a Notre Dame fan out there, we know, we know
0: where we're at. We know, we know where we are. Yeah, you're in the Fiesta Bowl. <laughs> and there's, and there's the football, football playoff. I'm glad you know. Where you're at. <laughs> you don't sit up here and act like you don't want to be where they are today.
1: You know, it's okay because the result would have been the same. We both going to be sitting on the couch by the end of the first.
0: And we thank everyone for your early nominations for the Petty Train. We see that in the chat. We'll definitely add them to the Petty Train. And uh, Pat Narduzzi might end up on the Petty Train, bro. From the way it looks like. Now, we have to do this. Uh, Edward Huff got into the chat early, and uh, he said, "Why did Isaiah McKenzie say Notre Dame is not a sex school? It's pretty easy. <laughs> to play there. If Ooh. you can't pull any from CJs, you have no game. I guess CJs Ooh. is a part." Edward, <laughs> Edward went there. Edward Huff went there now isaiah mckenzie has a podcast the isaiah mckenzie podcast go long, and uh he talked about his uh his hit i i don't know if you know this story you were there you know the coaching staff at the time but isaiah mckenzie said that he went on his recruiting trip his visit his official visit after committing to notre dame and he had been committed for a while well hey Look, Buffalo Bills wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie. I'll let him tell the story.
3: My 12th grade, my junior year, um, I was waiting on a Miami offer. I didn't have an offer until my junior year. I waited on Miami offer. They didn't offer right down the street. Uh, Cincinnati offer was my first offer. And then after that, I got 27 more. Um, my senior year came around, committed to Notre Dame. Um, committed to Notre Dame for a while. And... Um, I guess this is a story your way, you know? <laughs> Committed to Notre Dame for a while, and um, I wasn't too sure if I wanted to go. So what happened was, I got to campus. This is a, a rated for all the kids. <laughs> Close your ears. <laughs> I got to campus, and the coach goes, he goes, yeah, we have one room. And I, I, I didn't know if he was kidding or not. He goes, um, you it, before you, and it for you, to, for you to be able to come here, there's no sexual intercourse throughout the whole school. Oh, oh what? All right, <laughs> sorry, sorry. This, and, is yeah, this is Notre Dame, not BYU. Yeah, not BYU. <laughs> Young, and I'm like, oh, is that for real? <laughs> on Monday, <laughs> on Monday, I decommitted. <laughs> Wow. So, is that is that for real? Like, is that a Notre Dame thing? Like, is, I, do no, you guys no, talk no, about So, after a while, like, after I decommitted, I'll get to that break.
0: Okay. Yo, so Edward Huff brought that to our attention. And when he brought it to our attention in the chat before the show, we we're like, yo, let's tap in and dig in on this really good. And I, I want to let you jump in on it because you didn't like it because of the narrative that it continues to grow connected to Notre Dame, especially coming off of some of the decommits from this recruiting class.
1: Yeah, man, this is where uh, you insert the whole sabotage and collusion at the highest levels of treason at the (laughs) Notre Dame staff for them to even be telling and perpetuating the propaganda of this Notre Dame player fitting the Notre Dame player profile. This is the this is the evidence. this is this is what you we would take to court to, to prove that it wasn't just Brian Kelly. It's a Rico case. It's all of them. It's all of the ones in that office perpetuating this terrible narrative that you got to be some super upstanding citizen to be at Notre Dame. So no, that's not the truth. And I'm glad they all laughed about it because the guy was like, "You sure you're not talking about BYU?" Because I'm pretty sure that that's who he's referring to because that's an unbelievable story for Notre Dame. Now I don't know if we're we're talking about Notre Dame being a a sex school. That's that's pretty extreme, Edward. <laughs> but but Notre Dame men have sex. You know that that's a that's that comes with the comes with the prestige.
0: Of I all that hard work, on the lucky you note, we no no we have to clarify and verify: yes, now, no football players have sex. This is hilarious. Now, it's
1: it's not just the players, but as a as a community, you know, the, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, and hard work goes into being a total student athlete and just a, a student in general. So the the results tend to tend to happen where you get rewarded for certain things. Now, is it to where you gotta be like, no sex. I just, I don't get that. Now we do have parietals, you know, there's a, there's a tradition or, or a set of rules where after a certain set of time period, because it's all girl dorms, all boy dorms, you can't be in the opposite sex dorms after a certain time. Now, That's that's understandable. That's understandable because because you got to get your rest.
0: Stop. Students don't obey. It's it's all girl dorms. It's at the University of Illinois. We didn't obey that rule either. Come on, man. Stop. (laughs) Stop. You know how to sneak people in, sneak people out. People stay the night over at all girl dorms all the time. That's
1: so. So let's just let's just, you know, you got to have certain things in place. So you can recall on them and be like, they're in the rules. Now, do people always follow rules? Okay, that's a whole different story. But there are some things that can appear and give off the, the narrative that that can be, you know, not appealing to a college football player like I, Isaiah McKenzie now. On the other hand, with a haircut like that, I think that those rules wouldn't be a challenge to him. I think it would be something where it would be a lot more factors that make it hard from him on that end point. But,
0: like, he started I mean, off you know, said he really wasn't sure if he wanted to go to Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you exactly. know, he was
1: already sowing seeds of dissension all, right
0: there. He was trying to find an out. He went he on trying to find, out. to find a reason. Now, I do believe, I do believe there was a corny coach on the staff that tried that to, be to be funny, tried to crack a joke, and it's like, dude, that's not funny.
1: It was sabotage. Yeah, it was like, sabotage. Somebody
0: in the chat saying that, yeah, yeah, Steve Patron, man, thank you, Steve. You tap in all the time. Dude was thinking with the little head. He's 17. You show me a 17-year-old going on an official visit that is not thinking, with. come on, man. Let's stop. Let's see, stop.
1: See, Notre Dame, we don't recruit thirsty dudes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, no. We, don't, we don't recruit yeah. thirsty guys.
0: Dude is thirsty. You know, that's man. all
1: i mean if that's the story you bring it up yeah you're thirsty you're thirsty yeah okay. if you was really really balling you know you wouldn't have had a problem with it either way
0: so man that right there's the story that was asked of us in the chat and we wanted to go ahead and you know show it to everybody and make sure you saw uh what was trending with isaiah mckenzie matt 2011 gt we thank you for the super chat 45 to 17 alabama i hope you didn't bet that i hope yeah i don't know
1: about 45
0: 17. that's that's possible though we i mean if your boy is on one today if bryce young is just on one today it might it might happen wouldn't it be dope if, like, <laughs> Bryce Young and Jameson Williams just went off today and they both in the fourth quarter just on the sideline and just walked to the locker room, like, we good. Yeah, I
1: mean, that's the type of attitude you want to walk in with. You know what I mean? And I think this is a team where they shouldn't play around with because we played around with our food. And we end up getting a stomach ache. So hopefully Alabama doesn't play around and, and they take care a, of business early. Is that
0: another reference to the Cincinnati game, man? <laughs> Get over it, man.
1: I'll just give it reference. Just give it reference and context to what has to happen
0: for them today. <laughs> you, you, you are killing me right now. So Cincinnati – can win if.
1: Okay. Cincinnati can win if a couple of things. One, if Bryce Young doesn't show up. Mm. You know, if he just decides, like, you know, I'm thinking ahead and he just stays on the bus and doesn't get dressed. Right. Cincinnati has a really good chance because then, you know, I don't really know the backup. I don't think the backup's just ready just quite enough. Right. But then that can happen. Or I do think that Cincinnati has a legit chance if they can really create havoc on the D-line. You talked about their speed rushers being the, the difference between them and Georgia. I think that if they are, have any chance, it has to be getting causing Bryce Young to not get on this platform and get his spots when he gets his spots i mean bryce has been putting on the money all year i think that's a little bit what alden was able to do got him off his spot and and got him tackled early you know bryce is not a big dude so if you get him on the ground early enough i know it's like any quarterback is going to affect him but because he's smaller it's going to affect him a lot more early on that's what they did to tua and eventually you know through the time Tua was at alabama He kept getting hurt, you know, that's yeah. because of his, his his size. So Bryce Young is is a, a smaller, uh, compact guy than Tua. So for this game, it has to be about physicality on the quarterback. Defensively, I mean, offensively, can you at least not turn the ball over? So I think they can make it closer if they don't turn it over. I thought we saw a lot of what uh, happens when you don't turn over and you're good enough on offense, like a Florida at the time. They didn't have a lot of turnovers, and they kept the game close into the end. So yeah, uh, no no turnovers on offense and sacking Bryce Young or hitting Bryce Young, getting some QB hits and sacks early on, I think will give them a lot more uh, success to get it towards a couple possessions at the end of the game.
0: We had Brian Dimbo. Malik would never look at Skyline Chili again. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> bitter. He's bitter over Cincinnati, man. I don't
2: know. I've never had
0: – I've, I've heard mixed reviews on the Skyline Chili. I've heard it's overrated. I know it's world-renowned. I've heard overrated. I've heard okay, you know.
1: See, what we go by in Ohio, man, just the Midwest thing, Daytonian specifically, we just go about most talked about. You know what I mean? It's it's just like LeBron. They yeah. hate him, they love him, but he's most talked about, and that's all we care about—just being the most talked about.
0: Yeah. Let's see. Question right here. <sighs> Evil Judo. How many guys from since he was started for Bama? Yeah, two to three. In my opinion, both the corners would start. Both.
1: Yeah, both the corners. Yeah, both the corners would definitely start. And I think number – it's hard to say that for a second. Number 21, I
0: forget his name, the edge rusher. Yeah, but
1: he wouldn't start over uh,
0: – what's the name? No, you would put him on the other side. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, oh, those are both your outside linebackers. Yeah. Yeah. That's, those, that's, that's the only other person linebacker. I was thinking of. Yeah, that's about it. Offensively, maybe Ford. Heck, he transferred from there. So oh, maybe yeah, Ford would we'll start over Robinson.
1: Man, Michael Young, he'll play special team. That's my guy. He's so
0: crazy, man.
1: That's my guy, man. I was having
0: fun. So, man, we'll see another uh super chat. We appreciate you, Michael Graves. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to everyone. As we talk about the college football playoffs right here on the Lucky Lefty Podcast, we're talking Alabama, Cincinnati right now. The question we pose all the time: we went over the seven of uh, the championships and the quarterbacks that have won the college football playoffs since his inception. The first two were subpar. Um, I guess you could call them decent quarterbacks, Cardell Jones and Coker. And then the run started with, like, elite quarterbacks winning the college football playoffs, I think because college football changed. And it went to a more wide open offense, and it was more about scoring points. Like, you're not winning a championship game unless you're putting up 30-plus on a really good defense, you know, which is difficult. So can Desmond Ritter put up 30 points on Alabama? This really – for me, I think the Cincinnati defense can hold his own and keep Cincinnati in the game and give them opportunities. But if Desmond Ritter and that offense, you know, if they can't make big plays – they're not about to just, you know, move the ball down the field in Alabama methodically. If they can't make big, big plays, I don't see them staying in the game at least late in the game.
1: Well, one of the interesting and unique things I think Cincinnati has offensively is the size of Desmond Ritter. He's a big guy, you know, he's not a, he's not a, He's not a tiny guy, so him standing in the pocket against that Alabama size, I don't think will intimidate him as much. He'll be able to still be able to see passing lanes, and he's still decent enough to make some really good throws. Yeah. So from a from a looking outside in, he looks like he'll be all right. You know,
0: it looks like he'll be able to hold his own. Let me ask you from a you physical
1: a standpoint.
0: If you're Desmond Ritter and you're talking to Dem Brock all week and you guys are watching film do you want to be more involved in the run game early to attack alabama or do you want to save that for particular spots in the game because he really didn't run the ball until that late fourth quarter clutch drive that's when desmond ritter really started pulling the ball and getting around the edge on notre dame so how would you want to attack alabama in this defense
1: well, the same way that Alabama's weakness for their defense is the same way uh, that Stetson Benson was able to do against when they played Georgia. So he's got to pick his spots when he's running, but he also has to keep it in the back of his mind throughout the whole game that running is also very important to keep it drives alive.
2: Yeah.
1: Five times out of ten, Alabama's going to either know what you're running or have it locked up. So being able to be a playmaker north and south yeah. Instead of east to west, it's going to be key for Desmond Ritter. Just get a couple yards of field survive the next play of positive yardage instead of playing side to sideline. And because one, he doesn't have the speed for sideline to sideline. And two, when plays are dead, it's better to finish as negative or as positive as you can. And, for instance, like for us, when we played against Clemson, Ian Book is too much of a sideline to sideline kind of guy. So when, he, when he's getting chased, he doesn't make up that speed with the athleticism. So his best bet was to go north and south. That's not a story. But against a team like Alabama, being that they're very aggressive up the field, Desmond Ritter's best chance of picking spots to run is going to be important. Not being run conscious. I mean, not right. being run first conscious, right. but just knowing on third down your legs are going to be slightly better more times than not than what you're going through the week on the whiteboard trying to scheme up a plan for. Um, I do think that it's – unfortunately, you know, knowing Denbrock, he's going to try to throw the hell out the football. <laughs> it's going to put Desmond Ritter in the tough spot because he's got to play perfect. But to save him some some downs and save him some situations in the game, it's best to put his feet to use more times than you would think. So if you think he's not using them enough, keep using them. Because that's what always breaks open Alabama uh, defense a little bit more.
0: You know what? (laughs) That might be the plan for Denbrock. But halfway through the first quarter, Desmond Ritter might come to the sideline like, hey, that dude 31. (laughs) Dude, we might want to run some draws, some (laughs) straight. Like, we need to slow this dude down. Stop letting this dude just pin his ears back and come after me. Because, I mean, he's a game wrecker.
1: He's an absolute game wrecker. Yeah, and I'm excited, too, to see just how he responds. I mean, what is the Cincinnati offense going to do to slow him down? He's a guy yeah. that you got to pay attention to in the scouting report. He's a guy that is definitely going to make plays. So how can you minimize it? Are you running at him? Are you running away from him? Are you putting two people to block him? Are you using a running back? Are you using a tight end? So there's many different things you can add, but um, I think Cincinnati's strategy going in, they're going to try to throw it quick and try to get out on perimeter and and run the ball when they can. So uh, I think this would be an interesting matchup, but, you know, this is the Alabama Invitational, so they always got to trick up their sleeve here and there.
0: Uh, You're right about that. Lucky Lefty Podcast with my guy Malik Zaire. I'm Sean Davis. We're featuring and brought to you by Whiskey. Go to honorwhiskey.com, that premium American whiskey. The link is always in the description of our shows, honorwhiskey.com. Once again, I would like to give an update. Appreciate everybody that wanted to help out the legacy of my teammate at ESPN, Jeff Dickerson. Uh, At this point right now, we started the show. We were just short of raising a million dollars to support his legacy. And to help with his son, Parker Dickerson, who has lost both his parents in the last three years to cancer. So we appreciate LL Nation for tagging in and helping us with that. And continue to do so if you haven't done so. The link will be in the description after the show. You can go there, hit the link and give to the GoFundMe and also purchase a T-shirt supporting the legacy of Jeff Dickerson from Obvious T-shirts here in Chicago. Uh, update on cam heart i see you guys are asking for it in the chat we'll talk about that um alabama yo prohibitive favorite nothing to prove most people are predicting that another all sec championship game you know nick saban talked about the rat poison right and the rat poison that you know, the media fed his team leading up to the SEC championship game. He said it tasted real good and it motivated. The rat poison leading up to this semifinal game is a little bit different. Like it's, it's the type of news and type of media coverage you, that makes you feel like, OK, all we have to do is show up. And that's pretty much we saw that against Texas A&M when they came out in the first half. It felt like they could just show up, and Texas A&M jumped on them, got out to a 31-17 lead, and they weren't they were able to come back, take the lead, but eventually Texas A&M won the game. You look at the effort they gave at home against LSU. You look at the effort they gave in the first three and a half quarters against Auburn. Like we've seen this Alabama team fall asleep at the wheel and not get off the good starts in games. I don't I don't think a Nick Saban team would do that. In an important game like this, well, we've seen, seen them do it three particular times on three different occasions this season. How does Alabama avoid, you know, coming out and letting Cincinnati stick around?
1: Well, I think the best thing Alabama does and what they can do, particularly this week, in this game tonight, is be able to make sure you can extend Cincinnati's drives past eight plays of drive. If you get them calling plays all game where they're racking up into the 100, 100 play calls because they you're tackling them right after catch, you're tackling them at first contact, that that gets a, a guy like Dembrock shaking in his boots because now you got to call a perfect game considering that you're not getting no run after catch or run after contact. So that's what Alabama really, really good at and tackling an open space and making you call plays all the way down the field. So the key for them is to not give up explosive plays and to make them play the long game. Get Let them take the underneath, but as long as you're rallying and tackling and making them get a bunch of third down conversions in the drive, if, even if they score, sooner or later it's going to break for an offense Because you can't sustain that against a great defense like Nick Saban all game without turning the ball over or making a crucial mistake. I think that's the best way he can play his defense. There's no need to be overly aggressive because you're a more talented team. And you really don't have to do much because the Cincinnati offense that's throwing the ball, it's about tackling. So extend their drives, make them play the long game, and don't give up exposed to plays, and you will have a good, successful day on
4: defense.
0: All right. Give me your prediction for this game. I got, man. Without the syndrome, though. Without the syndrome.
1: I got Alabama winning 40 to 27. I think Cincinnati is qualified enough to put up over 21 points. But. They'll have the ball a lot because Alabama will be scoring a lot. So I see them getting 27. Alabama putting up a 40-point dub going to the National Championship for another Alabama invitational championship.
0: Yeah, I got a 37 to 24. I almost want to go up to 27. Yeah, I'll go 37-27. I think I definitely think Cincinnati covers. That 14-and-a-half is a gift, in my opinion. Just Mm -hmm. a gift. Just like Notre Dame getting one-and-a-half is a gift. I mean, giving up one-and-a-half against Oklahoma State is a gift. Like, run to the window with both of those bets, in my Mm -hmm. opinion. Okay, we have to talk. I know it's a Notre Dame podcast, but we have to talk about the Michigan Wolverines. I'm kind of forced to do it. They face off against Georgia, a team that we love the entire year uh injuries in the secondary on the back end and they lose their best pass rusher you know off the off the field uh news dealing with an assault case that hasn't been resolved he won't play in the semifinals or the uh, championship game if they indeed beat michigan chip on the shoulder yeah it's interesting because you just don't know how teams respond right Will they be shell-shocked? Will they they still be shell-shocked from that SEC championship game? (laughs) Excuse me. Or will they come out with that chip on their shoulder and just really try to hit Michigan in the mouth? In my opinion, we talked about the styles make fights. And the style that Alabama had offensively was the perfect antidote to Georgia's defense. And we talked about it. It's really only two teams that are equipped to do what Alabama did offensively against that Georgia defense. I do. I don't know what Jim Harbaugh can come up with because Michigan is all about physicality, right? And that offensive line. And they think they're about to walk into this game and just run straight at that defensive front and the linebackers. I hope they have something else up their sleeve.
1: Yeah, I don't think Michigan is going to go off-brand. I think they're so fortunate and happy to be in this position. They're just going to ride it to the wheels fall off. So I'm not expecting a bunch of um, exciting or changes in what they're doing. One, because they're playing with two quarterbacks. Yeah. So it's not much um, difference you can really have when you're already playing with two guys. So that's going to present a challenge on its own. Then considering your – Going against a team who's stingy versus the run, and that's their do or die is the run play action. So, right, it'll be it's a it's from a style perspective, it doesn't match unless Michigan is just way more physical than Alabama. Yeah, which is just it's just hard to find. You know, I think they have the confidence, but their their confidence is is on a, a faulty foundation. You know, you got guys like Aiden Hutchinson going number one pick when clearly. The guy he's going against on the other side of defense is a way more talented player. So we'll get to see what they look like in the same game. But, you know, the the hype around what they believe they have on defense, yeah. I think, will be a very interesting challenge for an offense that is certified and was legitly certified against a team. We all agree defense was
0: was really, really, really good. And you know what? The only other team that walked in each and every week with the same mismatch at the same position that Notre Dame has is Georgia.
1: Mm-hmm. Yo, Their tight end is really good.
0: And look, Nick Saban bracketed him, doubled him, played a man-to-man. It, it, did he not, was just, it he didn't He was matter. eating
1: on double team. He was running through tackles.
0: This man was on And this was Alabama. Else. Yeah, this yeah, he was, was making Alabama look. He so, made Alabama look real regular, right? But the, so, I don't think Michigan got a player.
1: They whole roster nah, like
0: that. Michigan has no, no. So I'm, I'm very. He in- was
1: doing, he was doing ridiculous stuff like catching on two dudes running through the whole secondary. I mean,
0: this dude was making all type of plays. Like, like, no, dude, his NFL tape is done. Oh, 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 one game, championship game, yeah. That one game was like, yeah, you got all the tools, right? Right, literally.
1: That's how. But that's the difference between we don't throw it to Michael Mayer to give him those type of yeah, chances enough. Right. We we give him some chances. We don't give him no. I mean, Stetson was just back there like,
0: look. <laughs> Stetson.
1: <laughs> I got it it up. Look, I I'm a walk on. I have nothing to be on no uh, ego about. I'm just going to keep giving it to him.
0: Right. And that boy was putting on, so he was eating. So I expect him to eat against Michigan secondary as well.
1: Oh my god! I really <laughs> <laughs> man, that's the that's his whole that's the key on them. Just throw it to him every play because what are you gonna do defensively? They have already seen that the one of the best defensive teams doubled them, and it didn't matter. Right. So good luck, Michigan secondary. Good luck.
0: And on top of that, let's be real: Michigan struggled against the run. Especially against Michigan State, you know, Michigan State basically came back from double digits running the ball, running the ball. And you
1: never see that in this day
0: and age of football. Never, like
1: right. these teams won't even attempt that. You know, teams right. like I gotta throw it, throw it, Michigan State took their time and ran it back. That's, that just shows my eight hundred shouldn't be number one defensive player or player on the board because of they that love game.
0: Them. Hutchinson and Ajabo love to get after the quarterback. They love to pin yeah. their ears back, get after the quarterback, wreck havoc, get sacks. But the tackle for loss game and setting the edge is very questionable. Very questionable. So, like I and said. And that's
1: interesting, too, because Georgia isn't a team that's centered around their quarterback. Right. So, it's one thing to be, like, they're a better defensive style versus Alabama Bama. Right where they can go chase Bryce, but they're not looking for Stets- – Stetson may throw 11 passes in the all game. So how much of an impact can Aiden Hutchinson really even be?
0: <laughs> yeah, Stetson will throw 11, and 10 of, those, 10 of those will be targeted to Brock Bowers.
1: <laughs> yeah, Brock Bowers got 10 of them, and then he got one screen.
0: So it's right. like, what, you, what, what could you really be
1: – so this is a bad matchup defensively for a team that doesn't like to defend the run as much as they like to – like against Ohio State where they knew they had money in the bank pass yeah. rushing. There's not money in the bank pass, where you're not going to get a good return pass rushing all game against a team like Georgia. Because they're like, we don't really – I mean, look at our quarterback. He ain't no – he ain't a no world beater, you know. Yeah, so. you talk
0: about Evan Neal, you know, basically being a top-five pick. left Oh, Alabama. yeah. Georgia has two studs at guard on both sides. So yeah. the interior of that Georgia line gives – in the run game, so Michigan will be challenged. The Michigan defense will be challenged by this offensive line in the run game of Georgia.
1: And then just the heaviness from the Georgia defense. I don't. I don't believe Michigan has enough speed to outgun the secondary of Georgia to be getting behind them enough for them to be uh, to to wean off of that top down pressure Georgia's going to give them. I think it's just going to be a rough day for two guys that aren't. They aren't super mobile and athletic. You know they move around, but you know they're okay, running against. Here, uh, JJ. Yeah, part? they're just running. They're running against a different type of animal out there today, and so uh, the Big Ten you can you can get away with some of that stuff, but you know the biggest difference between the SEC and the Big Ten is the D and offensive
2: line, and they're a lot
1: more aggressive. on those edges, so it'll be harder for them to get outside the pocket. But they're a heavy play-action team, so Georgia is susceptible for falling asleep or being too overly aggressive. But are they going to have time to to fake and set up? That's the the game, right? That's the game between the lines right there. Can they set up the pass after the run action without getting destroyed up front? So they can hold up. They can get some shots downfield.
0: It's funny we saw the reaction of Jordan Travis yesterday when we played the clip of the Cal Hamilton interception, mm-hmm. and <laughs> he was like, "Damn, yeah, <laughs> he caught that." I think that's going to be reaction of you know the interior line offensive lineman of Michigan. That the first drive when they try to block Jonathan Davis, <laughs> it's like
1: they're gonna look next to each other like, "Oh, okay, this is another level right here."
0: Yeah, this ain't a Big Ten body right here. This. No, no, no. This ain't Minnesota. Yeah, it's different. So (laughs) expect Michigan to try to get to the outside early because Haskins, you know, because Haskins is a really physical runner, very physical runner.
1: Yeah, but, you know, Georgia tackles with bodies, so it ain't just a solo tackle. It's a whole
0: team tackling. Your prediction for this game?
1: I actually got this one closer. I got a a 30-21 game going to Georgia. I think just over time, just how Georgia warms up in the second half, that's where a load of their points are going to come from. I think it'll be flip-flop in the first half. Michigan is going to give them a good first 10, 12 scripted plays, and then after that, they'll fade towards the second half because that the defensive pressure is just going to be too much. And I don't think they have enough speed on the outside to keep them honest.
0: Yeah. I actually think Georgia is going to jump out early. I just flat out think they don't from the jump, they, they have no one to defend Bowers. Like,
1: <laughs> they don't have anybody to defend Bowers.
0: And it's like, you know what? Georgia's going to score points early. Michigan is going to kind of, you know, they're going to realize early, like, whoa, we can't just run at these dudes. Let's take advantage of that secondary, which can be taken advantage of. And, and Michigan does have some playmakers at wide receiver and, you know, uh, multi purpose guys like Coram. A.J. Henning, that can make plays, jet sweeps, reverses, things of that nature. So I think Michigan has an opportunity to get some big plays, and I think they'll make big plays as the game goes on. But ultimately, Georgia, they'll hold on and end up getting the win 31-21.
1: I think that uh, the only reason why I don't think that Georgia will will pop out as fast in the first half is because I don't believe Stetson Vincent is a quarterback that's putting up points like that. I don't think that'll be their aim uh, coming out of I'll, the first.
0: I was going to be so I... wide open, bro. It won't. Oh, he's gonna be,
1: Yeah, he's, he's going to be so wide, wide. open, but he's I don't so trust Stetson open.
0: pushing it down the field. I think they're yeah. going to do a so, lot of runs. Thing, if Kirby will just stick to the script, Yeah. Oh, run, right. the ball, yeah. run the I'm ball, run the ball. ball, get the ball to Bowles on third down, you will move the ball at will you will move the ball at will. But if he gets cute and starts letting Stetson go four wide like he did against Alabama.
1: yeah, that's foolish. It's foolish because you're doing just what Michigan wants you to do.
0: They'll err on the side of you passing because they think they got
1: got J.J. Watt over there or something.
0: (laughs) So let's get into it. The breakdown of the Fiesta Bowl. Notre Dame faces off against Oklahoma State. Mike Gundy and his Cowboys come into the game. Mike Gundy spoke with the media and talked about how, over the last three to four years, they have taken away two scholarships from the offense and moved it over to the defense to start transforming the roster and the team. If you've seen what this Oklahoma State defense has become, you know, depending upon the metrics you look at, they're either second or third in the nation. They go back and forth between them and Wisconsin. Notre Dame faced Wisconsin earlier in the year. And just so you guys can remember how they played, of course. We have to be fair, the offensive line was in total flux at that point in time. Uh, Notre Dame had 42 sack adjusted rushing yards against the Badgers, season low 3.5 yards per play, 17 first downs when Notre Dame averaged 24 over the final seven games. They had six sacks and 12 tackles for loss that they suffered, and 16 run stuffs on 22 rushing attempts against that Wisconsin defense. So now, I said it early in the week, I felt like Wisconsin was the best defense that Notre Dame had played all year. And then I would put Cincinnati tied with Oklahoma State simply because Cincinnati had two corners that could really disrupt the main guys in the wide receiver core for Notre Dame. And then they got Jack Cohn uncomfortable early on. Well, not early on, because the first drive, Notre Dame just drove the ball right down the field with scripted plays and Jack Cohn throws an interception in the end zone. That just totally, that totally changed uh, the direction of the game. But moving forward, uh, Marcus Freeman has talked about Oklahoma State, and, and we'll, we played this early in the week, but listen to it again. You know, what does he think about the Oklahoma State team, Marcus Freeman?
2: I'm so impressed with how hard they play from every position, but especially their front four. They play extremely hard, they're relentless, um, and they, they, they tackle and they pursue to the ball well. And so it's going to be a huge challenge. And the challenge isn't going to be schematically. It's going to be to match their intensity and their uh, the, the physicality they play with.
0: You go ahead, man. I, you already heard what I said about what Marcus Freeman was doing right there.
1: I do think he was giving a little coach speak, talking about they play hard. But I also think he had a point where he talks about physicality. I think any top defense in the country, physicality is probably one or two best attributes. Yeah, yeah. So I think running into that challenge of who's being the most physical, I think that's where we'll have to see where if we're stepping up to the plate, I believe we'll be able to handle that due to us being more talented than them as a team in in whole.
0: Yeah.
1: Because they're subbing out offensive scholarships to get better defensive guys, but we, we're getting good defensive guys and offensive guys each year. So I do think that that challenge will be something that has to fi- be figured out on the first drive. I think we'll see right away who's coming out to be more physical. Once that is um, approached and, and and we come out on top, I think everything else is exactly right. They just play hard, and we'll play harder and come out with the victory.
0: I would like to uh, break this news right here on the Lucky Lefty podcast according to BuckeyeScoot.com. Kirk Barton, who is a reporter for Ohio State, he is reporting that former Ohio State linebacker Randall Marcus Freeman, James Laurinaitis, will indeed be on the coaching staff at Notre Dame. He says James Laurinaitis to Notre Dame will be a superstar in coaching. Congrats to my friend. See you week one in the shoot. So we talked about the Notre Dame staff and how it will be expanded and how you see more coaches on the staff than you saw in the previous regime. You know, uh, people that coach specific positions rather than, you know, Elston having multiple duties. I believe for a long time, Elston was working not only with the defensive line, but he was working with the linebackers as well a little bit. Now, according to Buckeyescoop.com, James Laranitas will be coming in to coach the linebackers at Notre Dame. Uh, he came to visit uh, during the practices and took a picture and posted it on Instagram and his social media, and the buzz started. Of course, we know the connection he has. He played with Marcus Freeman at, the, uh, at Ohio State, so that's the news that's breaking from Buckeyescoop.com that James Laranitas will be the next linebacker coach at Notre Dame, we're just putting it out there that's what's being reported of course all these coaching moves with harry he james laranitas and anybody else whether or not dale alexander will move on we expect january 2nd we'll start hearing news coming out and things being confirmed so next week is probably going to be more hectic than this week has been because we'll have coaching changes transfer portal and, you know, press conferences after the bowl game. And we'll know the direction of the team after that bowl game. So good news. You, you, you excited about hearing that?
1: I think it's a great addition, but I think it's still we're missing that great fit. I think having a superstar quarterback coach addition would be the most team forward thing I think James Laurinaitis is a great addition from what we already trust is going to be a great foundation of our team, which is the defense. So even if James didn't come, I trust the abilities of Marcus Freeman, just as a coach alone, will have our linebacker unit, one of the better units on the team. So now having James Laurinaitis there, I mean, it even uh, solidifies more on my mind that the linebacking group of our team or a unit on our team will probably be one of the better units on the team in general. So uh, just beefing up what we already know is going to be really good for us. I think, uh, like you said, after this game, seeing those transitions to get hopefully a quarterback coach uh, will be on the docket. I am excited, though, too, to see that that he's living up to what he's saying when he is adding more coaches to the staff. I think that makes it sexier on recruiting when you're going into these parents' homes, Absolutely. and you bringing and you bringing comfort of uh, two linebacker coaches, one being the head coach, one being a superstar former player and coach himself, talking to Jalen Sneed or whoever the linebacker. I mean, that's just a a great uh, closing argument in in the recruiting side of things. So, if we can bring Tommy and then get like a Eli Manning or something, you know, because he getting arches. <laughs> That'd be a great, great addition to have. So I think that the moves being made are, are well worth it, and James Lournitis is just another great piece that Marcus is adding to his, his era at Notre Dame.
0: Well, if he has the same intensity that he had on the football field and that he got from his father, the world-renowned wrestler animal, um, yo, he, he's probably going to be an intense recruiter right? He doesn't have coaching experience, so people are probably going to point that out. They're going to have concerns about that. But, once again, you have to trust Marcus Freeman. You have to trust Marcus Freeman. Whatever decisions he makes about the coaching staff, you have to trust. You have to give him a chance and trust his choices and see how they play out. And also, look, man, it was, it was an easy sale, right? This is... There are people all over this nation, great coaches, calling Notre Dame. It's not like Notre Dame has to go out and search. Like, people see where Notre Dame is. They see that they're on the cusp of greatness and win a national championship. Man, he probably showed James James uh, Larnatis film of Jalen Sneed, and he was like, oh, okay, yeah, I can coach that. Yeah.
1: And I think some of it too comes in you hiring your boys. That's something that, you know, nice. I would do. People you trust. Yeah, and I think it's also something to be aware of as well. Coach Kelly had a couple years where he hired all his homeboys through his coaching career. Yeah. And it didn't always work out. You know, obviously because you things aren't going well, you gotta address your homeboys a little differently than you would address your homeboys, you know. So Um, With him having no coaching experience and relying on his playing experience, I think that relationship will be interesting as it develops because now you're not performing. I'm not asking you to perform, I'm asking you to teach it. So it is two different methods uh, to breaking it down. However, like you said, it's about trust and and getting your guys in. And this is just one of the things we talked about. Marcus Freeman is getting his guys in, and and guys he knows that are – similar to him probably, and are like-minded enough to really push this team forward in the right cultural perspective.
0: Talk about that for a second for everybody at LL Nation. When you started coaching, what was the change for you to go from player to coach?
1: Well, a lot of it is just conveying a message. You know, as a quarterback, you got to understand early how to talk to all your teammates. You can't just talk to everybody the same. Yeah. But as a coach, you have to teach, which is a little different and also not talk to everybody crazy because they're not doing the, the exact technique or remembering the exact thing that you remember. So wow. having patience as a coach, as, aside from a quarterback, are two different things. you got to – patience is more limited at quarterback because you on the field and you got to, you know, need results. Right. As a coach, you have to take your time with more patience and understanding, and and find ways to convey the same message to the same group of guys just in a different way. You know, maybe one linebacker is better with you showing him physically, and then another linebacker may be better with you showing him in the film room. So, as a player, you don't you're encompassing all of that because you're working for what's best for you to get down yeah. the defense. Now you got to work what's best for the guys around you. And I think that him being a, a captain and, and a leader himself for many years in football, he'll see how easy and hard it becomes because after a while, you know, kids are kids and it's different than disciplining yourself as opposed to disciplining guys you coach it.
0: And we have a question on the heels of that news about James Laurinaitis. David Jones says, how about David Cutcliffe as quarterback coach? He's the only coach to coach both Peyton and Eli Manning. Um, Cutcliffe has been mentioned, but it hasn't been as an actual coach on the staff. It's been more about being an analyst to kind of help Tommy and support Tommy. I mean, that's up to Tommy whether or not he wants a quarterback coach. If If Tommy Reeves wants a quarterback coach to free him up, he'll get one if he's comfortable being the quarterback coach and also awesome but we've said it man the spotlight is on tommy Reeves from a recruiting standpoint like never before especially with this 2023 quarterback class like just put up a shut up get the job done or a hey, it is what it is
1: and i don't think tommy is gonna have the 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 wherewithal or awareness to be like, I need a quarterback coach to help me do what I'm already feeling like I can do on my own, you know, for a guy that played the position and then yeah. work through the ranks as fast as he did to coach the same position and call plays at such a level. I'm sure he's not thinking in the forefront of his mind. Yeah. Let me add more help to what I feel like I can do. So, I think this will have to be a Marcus Freeman step in to address bringing in another quarterback coach Yeah. just because I don't think Tommy is going to see it in time before he has to do it, you know. So I do think it's more inevitable that he will eventually get to it. Mm -hmm. I just think Marcus Freeman will find that answer faster than Tommy
0: would. And Tommy Reeves talked about his excitement about the offense and the youngsters getting opportunities heading into the Fiesta Bowl.
2: Effective hasn't changed. You know, our goals are still our goals. We want to go out there and put together a good performance. Um, you know, we've had a next man in mentality all year. So I think it's fitting here down the stretch that we're you know faced with more challenges, but um, we have a ton of belief in the guys that are here to play. We have a ton of belief in Chris and Logan and Audrick to go out there and, and represent that room and our level of, of play to a high level um we have a ton of belief in our young offensive linemen um you know we're excited as heck to see you know others contribute and fill in for Josh and obviously you never want to see something like that happen especially to a veteran but it gives more opportunities to go play at a high level and like we know how talented they are on defense and we got to put our players in a position to be successful and that's what we aim to do and I know we have a lot of guys that are extremely hungry to go um get after it and play this
0: so he says they need to put their playmakers in a position to make plays. We said it. He's the DJ for this part. Yeah. It's on him.
1: And it's like, and it's like, duh, we know they're talented. You recruited them. Like, what yeah. do you mean? Like, you better have trusted them. You brought all those guys in. You talked to them. So you're not telling me nothing by acknowledging what you brought them in for. Yeah, you didn't bring yeah. in guys that weren't talented or right. whatever the case is. So I'm tired of the belief statements. I believe they're going to be good too, but it's time to see something. I want to see right. that you believe in them, not just tell me, like, I believe it's going to rain today, but if it don't rain, then all that belief don't mean nothing. So I do believe at the same time that it's time to start seeing action and seeing that belief flow through the players that we believe in. Like, I want to see the guys he talked about a uh, uh, estimate and uh, a. Diggs and a Lindsey, and those guys come up and step up to the plate and make plays and have plays called for him. I don't want to, I'm not counting an off schedule play where the play broke down and he squeaked open out the back of the end zone or nothing. Or, yeah. you know, we give a basic run right and then Logan Diggs is just so awesome. He's shaking five and six guy running a six yard touchdown. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not giving Tommy an out on that type of play because that's a player-driven result. Yeah. I want to see a setup where you hit them with a run, hit them with a run, and hit them over the top. You know, that's getting guys involved the right way. And, and believing one thing is, is obviously a good start, but it's time to start implementing those guys into those positions as well.
0: And not only that, Notre Dame might have, stay with me here, we're just talking about weapons, depth of weapons. Notre Dame might have more offensive weapons than every team in the college football playoff, except for Alabama. Think about that. I think they have more weapons at wide receiver, tight end, and running back than Georgia.
1: Maybe not Georgia. I Georgia's think Michigan receiver, State for sure.
0: George's wide receivers are really suspect. First of all, because your boy's not healthy. Other than Pickens, who's a deep threat? Are we
1: talking about? Are we talking about guys in the room? Or are we talking about healthy guys right now?
0: Well, you, George Pickens is not healthy.
1: So, are we talking about guys in the room or just healthy or not healthy? Talking guys.
0: about guys that can go out there on the field today. And make a difference.
1: Oh, go out there today or we'll shoot.
0: Who the difference makes? We, we all the two bro, running backs. We're
1: only talking about for us, we're only talking about Kevin Austin, Michael Mayer, and um and and what and else? All the running thinking?
0: backs. Wait a minute.
1: Well, all the running backs are unproven though.
0: Chris Tyree's favor. not unproven. Logan Diggs is kind uh, of improving at this Chris
1: point. Chris Tyree is improving on a uh, get the ball every play, Kyron type of carry. Well, that's
0: the whole point. He's not about to get the ball like Kyron.
1: Which makes my point even greater that the running back room as a whole
0: is more improving than George's running back room. Okay, so once again, you tell me, other at wide receiver, who takes the top off the ball for George?
1: Shit, I don't even know George's. <laughs> that's roster. my point. Receiver roster. I don't know their receiver roster as well. That's
0: my point, and that's why they struggle against Alabama because if George Pickens didn't make a play, the wide receivers couldn't make plays against man-to-man defense.
1: But wait a minute now. I look at our receiver roster right now, healthy. We got a bunch of young guys and one deep threat, which is Kevin Austin.
0: No. Did you just disrespect zone like that?
1: Who, who had disrespect?
0: You just disrespected Lorenzo.
1: Oh, no, no, no. I'm not disrespecting Lorenzo. I'm saying he's he's not proven as much as other receivers in the college football playoffs right now. He's still a young guy. Because if he was proven, he should have been starting way more games than he well, played. Well, so first far, of all, we yeah.
0: already – he should have been – come on, dude. That's all, fact,
1: Okay, that's what I'm saying. The
0: fact that Joe Wilkins was getting more snaps. <laughs> but that's we're what I'm saying. We're done with that. We're not talking about that anymore. That that's over with. We're not talking about that. That's gone. We're moving forward. Yes, we know Joe Wilkins was getting more snaps than Lorenzo Styles Junior. For what reason? You can't give me a viable reason. Seniority, seniority is okay then. Know. So the only reason no, he is improving is because he didn't get the opportunity, right? Which is which is which is still like Tyler
1: Bugner. I believe Tyler Bugner can be good. Have we seen enough to be like, oh, he's bona fide Caleb Williams' second coming? No, not yet. So there's a lot of more uncertainty with our roster stars that we predict are going to do well than there are with Georgia's roster stars that are currently on the roster.
0: Well, I, I – look. I'll step out on the limb. I don't have a problem doing that. I never have a problem. Yeah, I, don't have a
1: problem. I think Lorenzo's gonna go crazy.
0: I think I'll, step, out a limb. Thing. I'll step on the step out on the limb right now, and I'll let you know. I don't compare Tyler to Caleb. Just naturally. <laughs> Wait a minute. Nah. Wait a minute. Why not? If you just watch them naturally play <laughs> the position, you know darn well who's Wait a more a natural minute. quarterback. You let's need to talk about playing.
1: production. We're not going to say style because I agree with you on style. I want to say okay. production level.
0: Okay. Is,
1: is Tyler Buckner production level of Caleb Williams? Can Tyler Buckner win us 10 games on his back
0: in a potential playoff berth? He has to get the opportunity.
1: But I'm saying if you're looking – okay, let's just say we're looking at – we know that they don't play alike, But looking at them, the potential of each production, can Tyler produce as much as Caleb? I don't know. We've yet to see. Yes, but with Caleb, we know what Caleb can produce, and he's
0: only been the starter. Because for he got the opportunity. But we knew after the first game what Caleb was. Facts. You see
1: what I'm saying? That's different. What? We do
0: knew- <laughs> well, we No, let's go back to what his own teammate said this week. Kevin Austin said, yo. The coaches don't let him throw. Kevin Austin said that. Uh, yeah, that's what I was
1: saying. I, He's I like, yo,
0: the stuff he does in practice, we know he can throw. We can put the his package is run heavy. That's all they want him to do.
1: I And that's the sickest part, which is what I've been telling everybody is that that's not – even though that may be true, that still doesn't mean anything for the game. Because if I'm not seeing that in the game yet, I don't I can't trust that practice is gonna translate because I know a lot of practice players that don't translate. So Lorenzo I would love
0: Junior is not a practice player, bro. Come on, man. We've seen enough from Lorenzo Styles Jr. to say, okay.
1: Not not not. I'm talking about outside of I'm saying just quarterback. Now
0: yeah. Now wait a minute. Because I'm about to pull your car. I'm going to see, see people, see what he's doing right now is he's being a host. He's being oh, a host. I, <laughs> he's being, well, not a hoax. Not a hoax. He's being a host. Oh, he's okay. Been, talk to me. He's being the okay, co-host of the me. show. Right? Talk to me. Because when we're offline, all he talks about is what Will Fuller was doing before he got his opportunity. And how oh, they Will, 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 and okay. how you knew. And how you knew once he got his opportunity what he was going to do. Now you want to sit up here and talk about, what well, we don't know. We have to see. We don't know about quarterbacks. We don't know about quarterbacks, but we were talking about wide receivers. Now, Lorenz, yeah, I knew, but that don't mean that they know. Coach, <laughs> Coach
1: BK didn't. Coach BK may have saw, but didn't put him out there like he should have. But problem. everybody on the team probably knew. You but, be able that's to about, but that's what I say about. But that's why I say about Lawrence Keys. Lawrence Keys should have been out there a lot more. Kevin Austin should have been playing way before he started playing now. You know right. what I mean? Kevin Austin should be bona fide top five receiver because he should have been playing. So right now should have been his non-figured out year. It is not should right. be, It should not be his figured out year. It should have been right. last year. So for him to have a figured out year and be at the bottom 10, I mean, just imagine where he could have been with some acknowledgement. You know, we right. ain't talking about nothing else other than acknowledgement. So right. Tyler Buckner got a year stolen from him, from non-acknowledgement. So all right. these, these, these stories of, of these myths in practice and these urban legends of him in practice, it's just an urban legend. Right. Which is a disservice to the fans and to Tyler.
0: Yeah, see, we got a comment from Trey McIntosh. Georgia has, good morning to you. Thanks for tapping in, number one, bro. Georgia has a good tight end, but not better than Mike Mayer. I ah, look, man.
1: <laughs> look, I like look, both of them. I'm gonna just say I like both of them. But look, that dude I, I, I tell you this,
0: I understand what you feel. But Michael Mayer ain't better than him. I'll just leave that. You might not like me saying he's better than Michael Mayer, but you cannot say Michael Mayer, My, Michael Mayer is better than him. I'll be fair and say Michael Mayer is probably a better
1: overall guy cuz I ain't seen Georgia Court. Yeah, but he's, block he's a true he's
0: a First of all Michael Mayer was suspect blocking as a true fact. <laughs> he yeah, he's suspect. He 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 suspect. He he suspect. He's suspect. He's got much better. He's gotten. Better. Wait a minute. Was he, he suspect
1: fear. or we had Tommy Trimble doing it
0: and Tommy Cole Komet doing a- it? No, 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 no. You go back and watch the tape. He he wasn't as good as <laughs> Stop. Stop. Tommy Trimble was that dude.
3: He was that dude.
0: He was that dude, but, yeah. he. he but after a year of coaching, getting in the weight room, he's oh, no, no. Yeah, he, he, he filled out, for sure. Rock mm-hmm. Bowers is a true freshman.
1: And a true baller.
0: He a just like, give me the rock. <laughs> he he he's again, like, give me the rock. Come on, man. And you can't sit here and say, <laughs> look, look, stop.
3: Yeah, not no, I agree.
0: Not, if yeah. you project, we talked about this a little bit. If you project to the NFL game, scouts, oh, he, are yeah, safe. yeah, they're gonna like him more. For sure. They're gonna like Bowers more than they like Michael Mayer. Both of them will That's be sure. first round picks. Both of them. It's just Apple and oranges, but so, they, they both first round
1: though. Is
0: is yo? I, like I said, I didn't say he was better than Michael Mayer. I'm just not about to allow you to sit up here and say <laughs> Michael Mayer is better than him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's not happening.
1: So yeah, I can't I can't say he's better. Just, I can say they're good as hell
0: though. Leave it at that. Aaron Newton, love the banter, to y'all. Great show. We appreciate you again. Hey, subscribe, share, like. Definitely hit that like button right now. If you're live with us right now, hit that like button. Let everybody know. Lucky Lefty Podcast, we spin it different. Let's get your three keys for the offense against Oklahoma State, bro?
1: Three keys for our offense against Oklahoma State. One has got to be 21 points in the first half. has to be over 21 because that way it will let me know that we're not trying to let this team hang around. Anything under 21 points, we're allowing them to hang around because they can pop off and score points fast as an Oklahoma State offense. The second thing we have to do is we have to have our running back room collectively over 150 yards rushing. That'll let me know that we can have our way with that, those guys up front, which is a key to their defense is those guys up front. Mm-hmm. So if we can bust 150 rushing yards on them early on, not just empty calorie yards. I think we can have a good impression on a prediction on what the final score will be. And Last but not least, we gotta get the ball in the Lorenzo Styles hands. He's gotta have at least one or two touchdowns this game because that'll let me know that Tommy's actually trying to take the top off yeah. with some of our best players and our yeah. young players. Right? Not just not just saying Brady Lindsey, but it has to be Lorenzo because right. that'll give me a good a good identifier that Tommy's trying to really get his talent involved, younger and older. So.
0: Lorenzo's got to have He put it out there. Yeah, he
1: put it out. I didn't put it out there. He put it out there. So it would be great to see Lorenzo get one or two touchdowns, not just a bunch of carries and yards, which would be great, but one or two touchdowns to show he's crucially involved in the success of the offense moving forward because we're not going to have Michael Mayer next year. We might not have Kevin Austin next year. So let's see those young guys make plays in big games to get ready for Ohio State moving forward in the future.
0: All right. Before we move to the defense side of the ball, a couple more comments from the chat. Mayor blocked the corner out of the TV in the ninety-three yard run against really. That's really. You bring up a block on a corner. Come on, man. Didn't we just say he's a much better blocker than he was as a freshman?
1: No, we definitely said that. We definitely said
0: that. I look. I understand you Notre Dame fans. Go watch the SEC championship game. Y'all love Michael Mayer? You want to see a Sunday tight end? Go go watch the SEC championship game. That's all I have to say. That's all that I have was cutting
1: to say. Up. He was making highlights on highlights on highlights on highlights. It was crazy.
0: That's all I'm saying. He's a true freshman. I got to go back and see if Notre Dame even offered him, man. I'm like, yo. If we didn't offer that dude, he I didn't say he was suspect. I said his blocking was suspect as a freshman. It was. Go watch the film.
1: I believe we probably recruited Bowser because you know we're tight end you so we definitely sent you some love from our way. Because we're gonna recruit the hell out of them tight ends for sure. Now, if he was a quarterback. Probably wouldn't get even a postcard from us. So well,
0: yeah, thank you, Zachary Ryan. I was just about to report this. Uh I was watching uh the tweets. Cam Hart is going to play. Who told you that? When everybody was like, Oh my god, Cam Hart, he had his leg wrapped. What podcast told you? That dude's playing. And the only way he doesn't play is if he gets caught up out there swiping left and right on date <laughs> Did we not say that? Did we not say that? It's
1: the only way.
0: Did we not say that?
1: Because he that ain't was missing the only this way
0: game. Cam Hart was not going to play is if he got caught up messing around, missing curfew, doing some stupid stuff.
1: Because this so, game's gonna put Cam in at the top ten corners for next year's draft.
0: Well, oh, according to Marcus, we heard everything. It was something wrong with his knee. It was something wrong with his ankle. All types of look. The media saw his leg wrap for the fifteen minutes that they were allowed to view practice, and they weren't even viewing like practice; they were viewing stretching. And it was three days ago, I believe. And so Marcus yeah, Freeman definitely
1: said, not worried about our guy Cam.
0: Marcus Freeman confirmed today he's playing. He had a thigh bruise.
1: Marcus Freeman wasn't going to let him not play.
0: Man, play like come that, on, man.
1: Marcus Freeman go walk in that locker room, hey man. Shoot up! What made me shoot up for you?
2: <laughs> yes,
0: Mayor will be back next year. He's only a sophomore. He'll be the first. He'll be the first tight end taken. Without a doubt, for sure, for Let's sure. Defense side of the ball, Mike Elston. What improved about this defense throughout the season? He was asked.
4: Yeah, I mean he's a powerful running back and got great vision. You know early on it was there was a learning curve you know for the scheme that that you know coach Freeman had brought I think that we were a little bit more what you would call on body playing man coverage and you know I think we got better at at that as the season went on we played better technique across the board from the front to the back end Um, you know, we've, we settled in, we, we understood what the calls were and, and how to, um, to, you know, execute those calls. So I think it's been a blend of a lot of things. Technique number one, um, you know, being more aggressive and, and getting used to that with being on body and coverage. And then, uh, you know, we improved on third down, you know, we, we were a little more creative on third down as the season went on and, uh, especially, you know, games three, four, and on. And, you know, I think you've seen that. I think our numbers have improved on third down. So from technique to understanding the scheme better, um, you know, I think we got better as tackling, as tacklers as the season went on. And obviously getting off the field on third down was a huge improvement.
0: There you go. Getting off the field on third down was the one thing they improved on as the season went on. So that's going to be huge in this game. You know, Spencer Sanders, He's a one, two run quarterback, like option one, option two out of here. Cause he's not going to have a bunch of time. His offensive line is average to say the least. If you think Notre Dame's offensive line has struggled, then the, the pokes, their offensive line had definitely struggled this year. Fans have been in the uproar about that and still water all year. And they're going to struggle against this uh, front seven of Notre Dame. They just are. Notre Dame is going to put pressure on Spencer Sanders. So on third down, you have to be aware of him breaking containment. And we saw this with Burmeister against Virginia Tech. How many times did we get them in third and long, and we allow Burmeister to make a play with his legs to keep the drive going? That was like one of the most frustrating games. And you cannot have a defensive performance like you did against Virginia Tech in this bowl game on third down.
1: Yeah, and the key is that you know we're going to be aggressive, so keeping your lanes is one of the most important things. With bringing pressure like that and being aggressive because you're playing man on the backhand, I think Coach Elson was right when he said that we've improved in our man-to-man because that's really what we want to turn into and to see what it what the result looks like, look at Cincinnati's defense, a great man-to-man defense that brings pressure and plays in a lane. So the blueprint was set, and that's probably uh, Cincinnati is in the playoffs because they believed in the system. So when you're talking about what we need to do is specifically in this game is keeping our rush lanes and keeping Spencer Sanders in the pocket. If we blitz out of containment, and we allow him to sneak through the back door of a blitz, he's going to run for a while because we're playing with our backs turned, playing man. So when Coach Elson says we play a better body-to-body on man coverage, it's true. But doing that, it also gives up our eyes in the backfield for when he slips out and he's going to make big gains. So if we're blitzing and bringing our exotic stuff, which you know we will, let's just hit home with it and not let him squeak out the back door.
0: Okay just to uh, give a bit of information while you were saying that yeah brock bowers by the way had an offer from notre dame uh he committed to georgia over alabama lsu and texas AM. and those are his final four so we offered him we didn't make well we see win. why but he's out he's due. he's from northern california
1: yeah and a monster
0: so he was only a four-star, too. See, so we talk about stars, star ratings. He was a four-star. He wasn't even a five-star coming out of high school. And he comes in as a true freshman.
1: Probably because he was in Northern California. Like, what's up there?
0: What you trying to say about Northern California football? You you throwing shade at Northern California?
1: Not shade,
0: man. Not shade. Isn't D, LaSalle, isn't D LaSalle up in Northern California? But who else? I mean, uh, one of the greatest high school programs in the state. What else do you need? Yeah,
1: the state of Washington. Oh no, wait, they look. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, if you think about it, their area of football is really dominated by them.
2: So
0: okay,
2: but they do they dominated. have any
1: competitive teams in the area? We got to ask that question.
0: They they win a bunch of state championships, don't they?
1: I mean, I get it. So they not they, beating modern day.
0: Here we go. That's
1: the that's the team right there.
0: All right, I'm just saying, man. You throwing a lot of shade today. <laughs> you own one for the last day of the year, bro. You own one.
1: You a lot of truth, power,
0: man. You game ready? You said it's a lot of truth. You game ready? A lot <laughs> <of> truth, <laughs> we the man. Podcast. We'll get to our prediction on this game. He was also Mike Elston, man. He's very happy with, you know, once they lost Cal Hamilton. Uh, he was asked about the development of his young players on the back end. Yo, he's just ecstatic about what he's seen from the youngsters in the secondary.
4: It's, it's impressive because they didn't flinch. You know, we put young guys in positions to have to go out there and execute and make plays. And and they did that. You know, you've seen Ramon Henderson, you've seen guys, young guys step up and, and um, fill a role that going into the season, we didn't think they'd have to fill. So um, they, they haven't flinched. I think it's great. And young guys have had opportunities and, and they've taken advantage of it.
0: Ramon Henderson, Xavier Watts. Those are not even my guys to watch. In this not day. even
1: our guys to watch.
0: Oh man, because you know, if you watch them on tape, you see the range, you see the ability to tackle. I still think Oklahoma State's going to try to take advantage of them. Yeah, get big plays and get behind them. I'm confident in the kids, man. I really am. They take coaching well. The pressure, you know how much pressure was on them coming in, knowing they were coming in replacing 14. Yeah. So the moment I don't think it's gonna be big for them. I think they're ready to go. And the dude, they're ballers, like they're they're dogs. That's the one thing is, like, they play fast and they play mean. They play with a purpose. They're dogs. They're impactful. So even if they make a mistake, I don't think it's going to linger with them, and I think they get right back on the horse and keep moving. So, like you said, watch them play.
1: I'm excited because they're young and that, you know, they get their confidence from – you know, the guys that are leading the charge with Marcus Freeman and, and, and Coach Elson, when you got guys you want to play for is giving you confidence and it's exciting in your development as young guys, that spirit, it, it fits what the team is encompassing, is that we're going to fight to the end. We, um, we're not tripping over what happened to play before, and we're going to continue to play aggressive the whole way through. And that's been a great additive. To getting these guys ready to play, it's like another level than just next man in. It's the next man's prepared, and these guys are coming in even after losing Kyle the week right after. We're playing at a at a at a good level that was probably unexpected from a lot of people. So, as long as we keep that energy up in that secondary, you're gonna see a very fast maturing process for for guys that and for people that thought that it would take a lot to replace fourteen.
0: What are your thoughts about now that you know Cam Hart is, is ready to go? back in solidified. Who's your guy to watch? I forgot to get who's the guy to watch on the offense because I forgot to get that from you. Who's your guy to watch in this game on the offense?
1: I want to say Blake Fisher, man. I think okay. the biggest challenge for the offense is that front, that defensive line. And for a guy that hasn't has missed most of the season, who's who has a lot of expectation and a lot of talent. I love to see him coming back in a in a hype field situation similar to the first game of the year. Yeah. So that 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 spirit and, and the direction of what he'll bring and 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 the guys coming under him and what he's gonna set as a precedent moving forward for Harry he's standing and all those other guys, I think there's a critical game for him more so than anybody else on the O line.
0: All right, so let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Who is your guy to watch? I'm I'm interested in seeing because we might be on the same page. I'm interested in seeing who you're gonna say.
1: I want to say Kurt. I think Kurt Hirin is gonna be. Kurt my Hyatt. guy. Okay. I think that's that's it's, he's important because if he's playing well. The defense is playing well. If he's spotty, then I know we're inconsistent in other places because he feeds well off the momentum of our defense. So if he's in there shaking it up and and making some plays uh, on third down and and when he's called on, I believe he him doing well is just a microcosm of everybody else around him doing well. So if he's killing it, then I know we're winning the game.
0: I'm going to go with our guy, man. Cam Hart? No, man. If, if if our guy is playing with his hair on fire like we see all the time.
1: Oh, J.D. Bertrand. J.D.
0: Bertrand. Yes, that's, JD, that's, that's my second guy. Yes, that, sir. Dude, that dude, if you see him, if he played like that under the previous regime, yo, <laughs> like if he gets any more juice. I can see. Him I want to see cover.
1: him in man coverage, though. I don't want to see him. No, 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 no. I know no, no, no.
0: He's lay the wood. You don't want to see him in man. Passer but situations. that's gonna be his. Yeah, that's, that's why be we his bring Bo Bauer do. in. That's why we bring <laughs> Bo Bauer in for passing situations. You gotta know, 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 your personnel. You gotta know yeah, your personnel. Like that. That's why we bring in Bo Bauer on passing situations. Now we bring him in to shut down the run. Because remember, uh, Oklahoma State was without Jalen Warren. In the Big 12 championship game, he's 100% ready to go. He said that on yesterday. So the Oklahoma State running game gets a little kick, but that offensive line, I don't care how good the running back is, that offensive line is suspect. So I look for Notre Dame to dominate up front and put Spencer Sanders in third and long. And, you know, at that point, the DB should be rubbing their hands because he likes to turn the ball over. He's looking to third, throw us know. some
1: nice some nice plays. He's looking to throw us for sure. Yeah. We just gotta be ready to catch it. I think this is the same type of game how Wisconsin turned out. It may be something where it's close to the to the third end of the third quarter and we take off with turnovers and touchdowns
0: in the fourth. Yeah. And we look, Prince Colley has to be ready to go on the inside because we don't know how Drew White's knee is gonna hold up. We just don't know.
1: Well, yeah, I think Prince Collie is going to be great. I think uh, playing in space. I think this is his type of game where he could just go chase and tackle. Doesn't have to be a lot of uh, complex uh, blocking schemes. I think yeah. Oklahoma State plays fast and simple, which is good for an athlete like Prince Collie to really just get in there and play football and not have to think of the the mental strain that some offenses at.
0: Facts. So three keys. On well, the defense
1: is out of the ball? The three keys are tackling in space. I think all Big 12 teams are great on offense when you can't tackle in space. Mm-hmm. So tackling in space, uh, that's number one. Uh, my second key will be we got to get right with Isaiah Vowski. Isaiah Fowski has to have a huge day. And that's be funny. disruptive. We
0: him. Yeah.
1: And he's gotta have four or five sacks. I mean, that's ridiculous, but I would like him to be very disruptive in, in that type of way. Uh make him be an impact player on defense. And then the last the last um, key to the game defensively, I really want to see him hold him under uh twenty-one points for the game. I think that'll just be a staple of what's to come in the future. It's something great to build off of from a confidence standpoint from your young guys. But if we hold them under 21 and this is in this a, year in a Marcus Freeman era transition, it'll yeah. just build the narrative even greater for the next
0: year. We haven't even talked about Isaiah Foster. and if they if Oklahoma State leaves, that tackle one-on-one, with Isaiah Fossey consistently, i definitely look for him to come up
1: with about two or three sacks. Yeah, and I don't think they'll be woefully ignorant enough to let him get blocked one-on-one. But him being disruptive is is really the key. Yeah. And, and, and getting a couple sacks is just the icing on the cake. I think if he becomes a presence early and often, there's no way Spencer Sanders is back there comfortable enough to be cutting our secondary up.
0: Yeah, they he won't pull a Jeff Collins. I don't. I don't think they'll pull a Jeff Collins. What's your final prediction
1: for the score? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Like I said, the score in this one, I think we'll put up forty points, and I think they'll get twenty-one on it. So I will go forty to forty to nineteen. I'll do forty nineteen.
0: Forty nineteen, and I'm going to go. No, 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 let me change let me
1: change, let me change it. Let it's me okay. go 35, 35, 19, 35, 19.
0: Okay, and I'm going to go, let's say, 38 to 20. And the reason I say that is because Notre Dame has won 39 straight games when they've held an opponent under 20 points. And Notre Dame is the only team, along with Alabama, over the last four seasons, to average 30 points offensively and hold teams under 20 points. Notre well, shoot, Dame and Alabama, right we, yeah. Dame Alabama right are the only two teams to do that for four straight years. The last But four we years. do it,
1: we do it because of time of possession. Alabama does not because of you know turnovers and,
0: and three it out. <laughs> yeah, that's, you're right. That is the only difference. Let's get it. <laughs> Petty, petty, petticoat. Pet, petty, petty, pet, 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 pet petty Junction. It's time to get
1: petty.
2: Oh, we did a good job executing. Are you upset
1: with something? And fire up the petticoat Junction train. I just don't like you. You don't? No. What is today's petty historic?
0: Every day, Eddie Johnson, right here. Petty story of the day. We had some nominations early on. Juan Lozado, yes, sir. The best train smoking. The Petty Train, right here. Lucky Lefty Podcast. We started off, got to put Isaiah McKenzie on the Petty Train. Bill's wide receiver. Story came out that he said he'd be committed from Notre Dame because uh, a coach told him that sex wasn't allowed on campus. First of all, the fact that you believed it. That's number one. The fact that you're still talking about it. That's number two. And number three, come on, man. You decommitted from, from Notre Dame. You decommitted from Notre Dame and went to Georgia because what?
1: Because of what? My whole thing is with the Marcus Freeman era, there is no longer. No longer. The ability right. to use the narrative that you can't get.
0: and We just lost Malik in the middle of his comment. So, yeah, Isaiah McKenzie, definitely, definitely on the petty train. And look, as Malik was saying, the narrative about Notre Dame and Notre Dame fits and Notre Dame type of guys, I think Marcus Freeman and his recruiting – and the guys he went after immediately the big time five star guys on the defensive side of the ball, but not only the 2022, but the 2023 class. I think he's proven that he's expanded, you know who you can recruit and bring in the Notre Dame. But go ahead, continue your point, bro.
1: Did I get did I get cut off on my on my on my point?
0: You dropped. I didn't cut you off
1: that's crazy all i was saying is that you can no longer with marcus freeman use the narrative at notre dame that you can't get girls because of notre dame that's on the player exclusive notre dame is a great place and we foster great relationships
0: yeah it's almost like he's trying to say there's no pretty girls at notre dame or something yeah
1: you blaming notre dame for your inadequate
0: yes like my baby cousin, my baby cousin literally just graduated from Notre Dame two years ago. See? And as she's black excellence. So uh, yeah, I don't agree with that. And I didn't
1: agree with his haircut either. So Yeah.
0: Forever. So the side judge man that kind of blew the game for Tennessee last night.
1: It's patty 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 patty.
0: Yeah, yeah. We got to throw him on the petty train. We have to. We yeah. have to. He must have
1: never seen the Buffalo Wild Wings commercial where you hit the button to extend the game. He ain't get the call? He ain't get the call? You wanted to go home that bad? You supposed to get that call like, hey, make that call right. That's a touchdown by any stretch of the football imagination. He wanted to go home. He was like, man, it's overtime. Y'all done... Ran me all up and down the field. It's about hundred points on the scoreboard. I know I got to work out in for the day. It's Man. time to go home.
0: <laughs> like I understand, so it reminded me of the Stanford game, right? With the four the uh, goal yeah. line stand, very reminiscent of that. And uh, I'm glad Notre Dame won that. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I feel I feel really bad for Josh Heupel and that Tennessee team. Let me tell you something, man. That was some of the worst. The last five minutes of that game was some of the worst defense I've ever seen in my life.
1: Ever seen? Ever
0: seen? I swear it was seven on seven. I, there's no way they had eleven people on the field.
1: The worst part about it was that when it came down to it, and they got the was they on the third down, and they was on like the one yard line, and they hit them with the Seattle Seahawks and threw the ball, right? Ended up getting a sack. And now it's a tougher position. Run the ball like you just ran all the way up to the
0: one yard line. Exactly. Exactly. They tried to
1: throw and you get sacked? Yeah, that's – people don't learn from history, man. Run the football on the one.
0: Man, that's crazy. Anybody else you want to throw on the petty train?
1: Man, that Tennessee had to be talked about. That was my petty for the train, for sure. Man,
0: that ref boy, he was already in the state of Tennessee? Yeah, I'm like, man, you –
1: you should have known, first of all, even on the replay, he didn't stretch the ball across before the whistle blew. Right. So even if they wanted to say, like, yeah, we called it dead already. No, you didn't. He was in the end zone when you called it dead. So I don't know who was officiating that, but somebody need to take in the Buffalo ball wings. Man.
0: <laughs> so, yo, that is – it's a lot of um, concern about, once again, updating Cam Hart will play. He's good to go. Marcus Freeman said he's good to go in his press of the day. Um, and then James Lord Knight, this is being reported, was first reported by Buckeyescoop.com, that he will be coming to Notre Dame more than likely to be the linebacker coach, but he will be on the staff. No previous, uh, no previous coaching experience. I know it's going to be a problem for a lot of people, but with all of that being said, trust the process let things play out let marcus freeman build his staff and we'll see how things go from there so as always we thank you guys for joining us today don't forget subscribe share like subscribe share like and hit that subscribe share like absolutely let everybody know about the lucky lucky podcast we spin it different so this is our last show of the year yes our next show will be January 1st, the post-game show. And hopefully, more than likely, we'll be talking about the commitment of Peyton Bowen early in the day. And then also talking about the big win as Notre Dame takes on Oklahoma State in a Fiesta Bowl. So, for well, my God, the original lucky lefty himself, Malik Zaire. I'm Sean Davis. Thanks for joining us today. Have a fabulous, fabulous new year. Enjoy yourselves. Be safe. And as always, spin it different today. Go Irish.